All right, everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Atkins Family Podcast. I am your host, Benjamin Atkins, and I am accompanied by my lovely wife, Takia Atkins. And we are back again with another episode. So, Takia, what will we be discussing today? Um, a topic called uh, From Prosecuting Attorney to Defense Counselor. All right, state your case, Defense Counselor. No, I'm going to do you the same way you be doing me and ask you what you thought when I said this is what we was going to be doing. Hold on, hold on. You're not me, though. Don't don't, don't matter. Don't, it's, you know it's, it's, it's a good concept. See what I'm saying? Like, you trying to... It's a good concept. Don't, don't, don't do what I do. Yeah. Do what you do. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Ain't that right, folks? Anyways. She needed to do what she do. We're one, so... Yeah, all right. Boy... <laughs> so uh let's see when i first heard that topic i mean the first thing i thought about was how in marriage it seems you know we can tend to bring up everything that's wrong with our spouse and not talk about the things that are right with our, with our spouse and in those senses we could seem like we're the we're prosecuting them instead of defending them Mm. That's the first thing I thought about. Am mm. I am I am I on the right track here? Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Exactly. See? Okay. Anyways. So before we get into it, I wanna I wanna set uh kind of set the scene with, with the scripture. Um coming from this idea uh that marriage is supposed to mirror Christ's relationship with the church, uh there's already this this story that was happening before uh marriage was ever created there's always some, there was already something that was going on and so you already have when you're looking at Christ the church God and uh, of course the devil you already have an accuser you already have an advocate and you already have a God who is fiercely chasing down uh the people that he loves which is the people that uh, have accepted mm-hmm. Jesus into their life. So starting with the um, starting with the accuser, we're coming out of Revelations chapter 12, verses 7 through 10. Oh, you better bring that scripture up. So uh, and this will this will explain. So we're setting the scene for, for what's going on in this relationship with God and us towards us which is the church Uh, so it says now now arose war in heaven michael and his angels fighting against the dragon and the dragon and his angels fought back but he was defeated and there was no longer any place for them in heaven and the great dragon was thrown down the ancient serpent who is called the devil and satan the deceiver of the whole world he was thrown down to earth and his angels went were thrown down with him and i heard a loud voice in heaven saying now the salvation and the power and the kingdom of god of our god and the authority of his christ has come the accuser of our brothers has been thrown down who accuses them day and night before our god so this is fast forwarding to the the very end of everything because of course this is in the book of revelation so it's future uh but what it's saying is there's going to come a day when the accuser will be totally defeated so what this lets us know now is that 
of course the accuser hasn't been defeated yet so the the accuser is actively doing his job actively accusing us the saints the brothers the sisters for everything that we're doing everything 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 and so then we have on on the flip side of this we have the advocate which is jesus christ so we we see that in uh first john 2 and 1 where it says my little children i'm writing these things to you so that you may not sin but if anyone does sin we have an advocate with the father jesus christ the righteous jesus 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 so as you can see we already got two major players right now we have the accuser and we have the advocate and finally we have the pursuer Jesus, for Jesus, Jesus, first Timothy two and five, for there is one God and there is one mediator between God and man, the man, Jesus Christ. Okay. So that wasn't, that wasn't the right one, but that, that backs up the point <laughs> of, uh, Jesus being that mediator, that advocate for us. So, um, something happens. Really? When I call you. Okay. So Romans five and eight, but God shows his love for us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So now we have all the key players. We have the accuser. We have the advocate. We have the pursuer. And then we have us standing in the middle being accused, but also being pursued. So how does this relate to marriage? What do you think so far? How does this relate to marriage? All right, so you got the you got the accuser, mm-hmm. you got the advocate, and you got the pursuer. That's what mm-hmm. you said, right? Yeah. Uh, I'm assuming that the spouses in the marriage can play any one of those positions at any time. Yeah. So what you so you think we we play the accuser more than anything? I think uh, we do because we don't understand. And that's that's the crazy thing that I thought about when I was reading this uh, book is that if you don't understand the gospel, you won't understand marriage. Mm. If you don't understand that story, if you don't get that that backing to it, then when it comes to marriage, you'll always be somewhere you're not supposed to be. You'll always be doing something you're not supposed to be doing, because if if as Christians, marriage is we're called to have a marriage that mirrors the relationship with Christ and the church. If we don't know that story, then who do we become? You become like the world. Exactly. Just like the world. So how, so talking about this defense attorney thing, the job of the enemy is, is to destroy us, to steal, kill and to destroy. That's in the word. So the enemy has three objectives, steal, kill, and destroy. And that is why he accuses us. So we have to ask ourselves the question, if we found ourselves being the accuser of our spouse, what is our objective in marriage? Well, I think your objective when you accuse your spouse is to get your spouse to change because they obviously did something wrong. Well, yeah. Okay. So where does the line get drawn between when I'm trying to get my spouse to change or when I'm trying to throw what my spouse did in their face? Uh, I don't know. Break it down for me. So, of course, there are some instances where the other person is trying to get you to change. But we also have instances where we're you, like, just like you were talking about in the beginning, 
we get in this weird space, I feel, in marriage sometimes that people don't really know how to identify. Where we're so hurt, we're so caught up in the hurt that we become the accuser. And it's not so the person can change. It's literally so we can stay in that hurt and broken space. So you're trying to prosecute your spouse. You want them to pay for what they did. Exactly. You want that you think there needs to be some uh, consequences and repercussions. <laughs> yeah. And not good ones either. You need your restitution. <laughs> yeah. Dang. Anyway. Okay, see? So so yeah. So that's <laughs> so that's where we stand. So we want to get to a place where we are actively playing the the role that Jesus plays, which is to be that mediator. Which uh is that easy for you to do? Do you think? Help us out, Reverend. I'm talking oh, about Oh, you said it's that easy for me to do. Exactly. Play the role of the mediator. Mm-hmm. I think in certain instances it is, in other instances it is not. And I think, you know, there comes a time in every spouse's life where, you know, you might feel like you're playing the role of the mediator a lot and you just want to become a prosecutor for a little bit and then switch back. Because <laughs> the mediator role, you know, take a lot of spiritual uh, maturity and it takes a lot of patience and it takes a lot of, you know, you always feel like you can't get to just blow the cannon. You got to, no. I got to, I got to practice restraint. Exactly. And prudence. Yeah, we talked about that in that in the last one. You got to you got to pick and choose your battles. You don't get to just go off when you want to go off. You got to wait. <laughs> you can't go off at all. So it's like, you know, it's kind of a harder harder role to play. A, a harder role to play when we are called which um and I wanted to bring this up in um Ephesians 2, Ephesians 4 and 2. Ephesians four and two. Go ahead. Four and two. With all, Lord, with all humility and gentleness. With With all humility and gentleness. Go ahead. Are you done? Go ahead. It's like the old school pastor thing. No. Why not? Because. Because what? Go ahead. With all humility and gentleness. Read. There's a reason why they stopped that. Why they stop it? Because it's annoying. Okay. Well, let's just do it this one time. My gosh. With all humility and gentleness. Okay. With all humility and gentleness. Go ahead. Patience. Patience. Bearing with one another. Bearing with one another. Go ahead. You can't even hear what I said because you jumped over it. Well, because you didn't give me my pause time. Sometimes it, look, the reader and the the commentator got to have that connection. Bearing with one another in love. In love. So how do we switch? How do we introduce this idea of where most of us have found ourselves in marriage being the accuser to being the pro to being the um, defense attorney. So bring it down for me, master Number teacher. One, it's recognizing that in some ways in our marriage, we have been the accuser. We have been the prosecuting attorney. Oh, see, oh wait. The, so the first thing you got to do is self-reflection. Literally. You got to look inward and see what your flaws are. Yeah. Huh? That's that's literally the first thing that you got. Very interesting. And you have to be honest um, when you're really looking at these roles that Jesus and the devil and even God play in that story with the church, because it's it's the central relationship with the church. You really got to look at where you stand. And I'm not talking about those of us that kind of tread the line, you know, but I'm talking about those of us that that can be honest and say most of the time we find ourselves being the accuser. No, nah, but my spouse raggedy. And see, and and I got a I got a story for that. So there was this wife, and and um, 
it came out of this book that I've sampled. I'm actually, I might read the whole thing. I'm not sure. But it, yeah, it's called Lifelong Spouse or something like that. Um, but it's by Gary Thomas, same author of, of Sacred Marriage. Wait, and, you know what I'm Gary Chapman, Gary Thomas? No, his name is Gary Thomas. Gary Chapman wrote the um, Five Love Languages. Gary Thomas wrote Sacred Marriage in this this book that oh, I just. Oh, the Garys, all right, go yeah. Ahead. So the Garys got a lot of wisdom. <laughs> Name your kids Gary, but um, or your boys anyway. So, uh, dang, you threw me off. There's a grace upon my life. All right, but you said it was Gary Thomas. Okay, so yeah, he wrote the book. Wrote this the book, wife, lifelong now, spouse, right? Yeah. yeah. Okay, go ahead. So our lifelong love. We are not uh, Catholic. Just throwing it out there. But this particular spouse was. She was going to her priest every day, and she was complaining, just complaining, complaining, complaining about her husband. He's so angry. He he never wants to do anything with the family. Blah blah blah. Just all this stuff. So the priest came out of character one day, and the priest got mad at her. And he was like, you know what? If you spent as much time asking God to show you your spouse's story, asking God to show you why your spouse might be like that, instead of complaining that your spouse is like that, your marriage might get better. And she was appalled, of course, as most women are <gasps> uh, when stuff like that happens or uh, and men, too. Um, and so she. You just had to throw that in there. That's all I yes, I did. But um, he he told her to go and pray. And and asked God to show her why her husband was like he was. And so she went and prayed. First thing she did was do what she did what she normally did. She told God how she was angry at him for being angry at her, went through the long laundry list. And then she took some time to ask God to show her why her husband might be so angry. And in her time of reflection, she realized when they first got married, a series of things happened. He lost his company. She became ill. To the point where she she was no longer able to work. She was disabled. He lost his mom and he lost his home. They had to move back in with his dad. So instead of taking all that time to accuse him, she took time to try to be his his uh, advocate, to try to understand what was going on. Mm. And then she weeped. Because she realized there was a reason why her husband was so angry. Now, is this an excuse for your spouse to do whatever they want? Absolutely not. And I don't want us to take this the wrong way that you can't be that uh, light in your spouse's life and um, light up some of the areas where they might struggle. But there's a difference between being a light and being an accuser. She was definitely an accuser. And sometimes when we were walking through stuff for a long time, we can we can easily switch into that and not even realize that's what we're doing. So we're trying to call attention to those of us who may have started off with trying to bring light to something, but the other person wouldn't change or do what we wanted them to do, how we wanted them to do it. And then we became their accuser. So the story doesn't say how the marriage ended up after she had that moment. It only talks about that moment that she had. And I thought, wow, uh, it made me, it literally made me think about that scripture where it said bearing with one another and how often do we take time before we eat into our spouse about everything we don't like that they do, how often do we take time to bear with our spouse in their weak places? Uh, how often do we do that? I mean, how often do you do it? Uh, I mean, I think I do that a lot. Oh, really? Yeah. 
You might have something different to say about that. <laughs> <laughs> he said, I, I believe something on the contrary, but I'll let that slide. Nah, you do that much. You do it much more than me. Um, okay, okay. So understanding uh, the weak places that your spouse might have and addressing it from that lens instead of the lens that your spouse is out to get you. No, nah, but my spouse is out to get me. Because I think sometimes we become the accuser because we feel like our spouse is the accuser. Is that, does that make sense? Both sides accusing each other. We both yeah. point the fingers and this becomes a defense mechanism at the end of the day. Exactly. And it, it leaves no room for God to come in because it's too much pride. Disarm. Yeah. Literally got to, you got to lay your guns down. And that's what it meant when it talked about with patience and love and kindness bearing with one another. You got to start picking up stuff that's not necessarily normal to, to us as humans. Um, which is number one, patience. Just because you point out a problem in your spouse's life does not mean that it's about to change right away. Especially when we realize that most of the times the problems that we have with our spouses are problems that have been ingrained in them because of how they were raised or who they are. I mean, when, when, you, re- when you really look at it, if I'm talking to someone, if you really believe your spouse loves you, if you're talking to someone who loves you, about something that rubs you the wrong way and they don't fix it right away. You have to believe that there's something behind all of that, especially if they're, you know, that they are a genuine person, a genuinely nice person. Now we know, you know, living with somebody all the time, uh, we're going to get bent out of shape sometimes, yell things, you know, stuff like that. We, we, we going to be, we going to have our moments, but if that person is consistently doing the same thing over and over again, instead of jumping to the, oh, he ain't going to never change. He ain't going to never change. He crazy. He crazy. You know, the names that we like to call our spouses. How about we take the time to look at what actually might be going on behind the scenes? Mm. And not like not not just looking at it, but being sympathetic about it. Being actually having sympathy for the other person. Being uh, compassionate and understanding. Yes. Actually bearing with the other person. Mm. I think, uh, yeah, that's that's good, ma'am. Mm-hmm. Help us some more. Help us some more. So we have to realize that everyone has their own struggles and their own conflicts within themselves. And we can't just be we, we can't just be mindful of our own. So when you get married, and I think this is one thing that people don't realize, we have uh, a way about making excuses or giving ourselves a free pass with certain things because we know what's going on on the inside of us. We know. So riding down the street and I hope don't I hope nobody does this, but I mean, we're all human. This is an extreme case, but right down the street, somebody cuts you off, you flick them off. And then you're on your way home and you're like, God, forgive me. And you cut yourself some slacks. Like, God, come on. You know, I had a hard day. No, My coffee won't ready this morning. No, I don't matter. That person just cut me off. They could have killed me. You know, my daughter in the car. Like, you know, you got all that stuff going on that you're looking at all of your behind the scenes stuff that contributed to that decision that you know was not right. When you get married. Yeah. You have to do the same thing for your spouse. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I think that's one thing that we forget because we get caught up in this 
this fairy tale uh, this romanticized view of marriage that our spouse is just going to be perfect and do everything right because they love us. We love God and we still flick that man off. Mm. So if we can, if you can kind of get what I'm saying here, when two become one, the same things that you do for yourself, you have to do for your spouse. So the same way you give yourself grace because you understand everything that's going on around you and inside of you is the same thing you have to do for your spouse. Hey, what the Bible say, judge not lest you be judged. Yeah, I don't like when people use that, though, because then people be like they use that to say I can't call sin a sin. But, yeah, I get what you're saying. Oh, no, it's a whole not, other topic. But hey, yeah. no, but the, <laughs> the context of the scripture is simply be careful because whatever, however you judge somebody, you will be judged by that oh, same yeah. manner. That's Man, what the scripture is talking about. You know what's crazy? Sometimes, and, and I wouldn't advise this with everything, but one of the things I realize is nothing is the nothing is uh, as real as you being in the other person's shoes. I found myself a lot of times being judgmental and saying, God, I don't understand how people could put this before you and how people could put that before you. And then I find myself in the same position doing the same thing and there's a part of me that thinks god because it it humbles you it literally puts you in a space where it's like you know what everybody's human and i think that's what we forget with our spouses like they're supposed to be this perfect on robot all the time that meets your needs knows what you want when you want it and is able to give it to you and that just is not reality not reality now am i advocating for people to just treat people any kind of way absolutely not but i am advocating for us to do exactly what jesus does for us on a daily basis he stands in between us and god and is literally pleading for us and then you have this God who's literally pursuing us. So we have those people who might say things like, well, I have a spouse who continues to do the wrong thing over and over and over again. Mm. I want you to think about how the scripture that says, while we were yet sinners, God sent his son to die. So while we were still broken. While, while we were still in the decision-making phase, while we were still playing around with stuff, God still pursued us. God still sent his son to die for us. So there are those of us who say, I got to get out of this marriage. God called me to be happy. See, I, even Aubrey know what y'all be saying. <laughs> I got to get out of this marriage because I'm just not, I'm not being treated right. You know, God... I'm beautiful. I know God called me to have somebody to see all my beauty and all this other stuff. And, and it's time for me to get out. I want you to think about how God could have simply just washed his hands of us. Like he's God. He could have just, all right, I'm going to wipe all of these people out. Could kill you. Right now. And would have to answer to nobody. Exactly. It's like Thanos. With the snap of <laughs> that, a finger. Exactly. Everybody just half the world gone. Just cause a God who was that powerful, instead of making that simple decision, decided to do one of the hardest things ever. I'm going to tell you right now, I wouldn't give Aubrey up for nobody. Nobody. And some of you might say, cause I've had this line of thinking. Like, well, he did get Jesus back. So does it really count? Look, 
to see your child in any type of agony is one of the hardest things ever to do. Exactly. It's like even when Aubrey go to get shots, we know it's for her good. But I be about to fight them doctors. <laughs> <laughs> so, you already know the entire purpose of the shot. You know the end result. Yeah. You know exactly what's about to go down and why it needs to go down and what the ultimate goal of this agony is. But you still don't want it to happen. You don't. And so I want us to realize that even when we're dealing with issues that are reoccurring, God still pursues us. Jesus is still interceding for us. The habit that you have, because a lot of times we look at our spouse, like we look at other people, period. Like, I don't know how they could do that, God. I mean, I smoke cigarettes, but God, they be doing crack. Uh, <laughs> like, like, God, how could, how could, and it's, it's the audacity of people because a person that smokes cigarettes be sitting on the side of the street saying, I don't know how they could do that to their body. That's just crazy. Why would they, why would they want to die? Over there outside the hospital, waiting on the, uh, <laughs> just waiting on a, um, family member that's a cancer patient smoking a cigarette talking about hope it don't get me <laughs> like, and, <laughs> and i want us to realize that's literally what we do we are soaked in sin drenched in sin judging the other person across the room from us just because our stuff don't smell like their smell then they got they over there eating that food like that they know they're gonna get diabetes like <sighs> you take that spot. exactly like and i think that's where we need to be and that's that's one thing i realized especially as uh I, I would say a woman we like to uh because of our senses especially emotionally we're, we're probably more emotionally in tune than our husbands so we like to uh take what they did and put it on like in a thousand well it's like god i only just don't take out i only just don't do the dishes sometimes sometimes but this dude don't ever take the trash out. I don't know what's wrong with him, guy. Really? You need to get him. Like little stuff like that. And and both spouses do it. But we have these, these areas in our life that are gray that we make excuses for. When other people have these areas in their life that are gray, we ready to um send them off to hell. my god today let today be their judgment day because i am tired of saying the same thing over and over again Mm. but imagine how much more peaceful our house would be if you had two spouses who were each other's defense attorney or advocate imagine how peaceful your house would be if you had two spouses who wake up in the from the time they wake up in the morning to the time they go to bed at night looking for reasons to defend each other what the quote i said last podcast you know we should try to find every reason to stay in the marriage instead of finding every biblical loophole to get out of exactly and that's that's literally where we should be every day i wake up my spouse is a gift. My family is a gift. I need to be finding reasons to defend this other person. Because look, when you think about Jesus, who is spotless, without blemish, he is consistently finding reasons for God to spare us. Continually, continually knocking on the door. Exactly. Like, look, 
just, just give him one more chance. I promise. Give, give him one more chance. And we have this tendency, like I said, to look at others. And this is where we got to really, really be careful to look at others and say, I'm not as bad as them. And, and that introduces pride because now I get to be mad at you because your sin is worse than mine. Because what you did is worse than anything I've ever done. And I get to be mad at you all day. And some of y'all all year. Mm. <laughs> like, oh, no, I can't do it to them. <laughs> like, but for that one thing that that person did, you still mad. Now, I want I want to be clear because we, we live in a totally different society now where people are trying to work things out and do things differently. There's a difference between somebody coming at you with a I really want to understand this. I really want to work this out versus a person that's coming at you, calling you every name in the book. That's those are two totally different situations because it takes people certain uh, it takes people different amounts of time to heal from certain things that have been done to them. But if they are trying to heal, then they literally are stepping in to become your defense attorney. Anybody that wants to heal from something that you've done to them is literally your advocate. Because they're saying, I'm willing to walk with you through this. Even though you did X, Y, and Z to me, I still believe you're worth fighting for. That's ultimately what they're saying because that's what they're doing. And, and, and sometimes we miss that. Because here's the thing, and this is where it kind of gets rough when we're when we're being someone's advocate. God bless you, Aubrey. Is that we have to take a hard look at ourselves. We have to really have that moment where it's like, okay, I really got to look at what I just did. And I think marriage, a lot of times it it misses this part where it's supposed to be so good i think a lot of marriages miss it because we don't see the need to self-reflect but if you think about it even that moment when we come to christ and that moment where we finally step up we have to acknowledge everything that we've done wrong Mm. we have to acknowledge our part the hand we played and the things that got us to the space that we're in in life and give account for honestly some stuff that other people did because we literally all paying the price for what Adam and Eve did if you really think about it of course that passed down to us we understand that but it it comes a place where we really got to look at ourselves and I think this is where marriages miss it because we're so busy pointing the finger instead of saying look Man, instead of me pointing this mirror at you, how about I flip it back to me? And you know, when both people are doing that, it be create, it creates a beautiful outcome of where both people are on the court because they're both trying to get their act together. And that's that's what marriage is. I think we we have excuse me. I think we have bought into this whole I want to take pictures and I want to wear the ring and I want to do blah 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 when when ultimately this is supposed to be a relationship that draws us closer to Christ and nothing draws you closer to Christ than than being in a mirror and marriage honestly your spouse is your mirror you're gonna see yourself clearer than you've ever seen I don't think that uh I think one of the, one of the great things about our marriage is that 
it was a it's a double-edged sword i don't think we knew who we really were until we got married i don't know if if you agree or not no i agree man marriage (laughs) marriage gonna expose you it's gonna make you look in the mirror it's gonna make you look at that other person yeah you're gonna see a lot of stuff in yourself that you don't like you're gonna see a lot of stuff in the person that you don't like and both y'all gonna see all that stuff and it's gonna be all right let's work and that's that's Together. what it is yeah because we both dirty on the inside yeah and i think that's the thing uh so how do we switch how do we make this this transition the, the first thing is definitely uh self-reflection there are a lot of things that we need to look at about ourselves and and one big thing too is uh looking at how we react to how people do us wrong that's a huge indicator that i think uh, it's another nugget that's kind of like a double-edged sword in marriage but that's i think that's how i really learned about the dirtiest parts of me when my spouse did something wrong to me and i had to look at how i reacted a lot of times we, we we focus and I think this is why we focus so heavily on being the accuser, because as long as I'm accusing you, I never have to look at me. As long as I'm pointing out everything you've done wrong, I never have to uh, stop when I walk past the mirror. But I keep dragging you to the mirror. Like, no, look at this. Look at this. Look at what you did. But but I don't look at myself. Mm. So that self-reflection piece is a is a very huge deal. Um, and then repentance, of course. Number one, for being the accuser. You are supposed to be. And, and I think this is this is the part where it gets heavy, because you think about that beautiful moment. It should have been beautiful where you said, I do. The only thing you ever wanted to do was love and help and be there for your spouse. And you have turned into their enemy. Because our enemy is our accuser. You put him on a stand. And 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 here's the thing, and this is this is what's so crazy. When we put our spouse on a stand, don't nobody got evidence against them like we do. Like we can literally rip them to shreds. And some of us have fun doing it. You need to go get help if that's the case. You you need to go see a therapist. <laughs> But you and that's why it's so um, it's so important that we get this out because living with somebody, being with somebody every day, man, you get some dirt. I mean, like digging up your nose dirt like I know you eat your boogers dirt. Uh. I, I, I. Yeah, I'm gonna just leave that right there. That's marriage. But yeah, you get you get dirt, and here's the thing: the enemy would love nothing more than for you to be the one that tears your spouse down, because can nobody hurt your spouse like you can? You got something to say? All right, she back. Go ahead. Nobody can hurt your spouse like you can. You start to take a, a position that's even greater than their parent, because you get to know them in ways. The parent actually never could. Hey, a spouse could be your greatest asset or it could be your greatest liability. Exactly. So we want to learn how to be each other's greatest asset. Why? If nothing else, because Jesus said do it. 
And then also, y'all, we got to live with each other. <laughs> we go to bed next to each other. We wake up next to each other. We go to work and then we come right back home and we looking at each other. We cook. We eat the same food. We in the same. I can't stress it enough. We in the same house 24-7. Who wants to live in hell? <laughs> That spouse that want to keep fighting. <laughs> because that's all you ever going to get. I'm telling you, lay down your weapons. I know you got issues with the stuff that your spouse do. I know you do. I got issues with the stuff that my spouse do. But here's the thing. It's easier for reconciliation to happen when you let the other person decide that they're ready to reconcile. That they're ready to fix the behavior that you have something wrong with. Say... Say what's on your mind. Say it once. I give you a max of three times. After that, leave it alone. You have now given them enough information that they can go off and fix it if they want to. You better go to God. Exactly. And you are not God, so you cannot make them. You can't. And I think that's that was probably one of the hardest parts of marriage for me. When I realized I could not make my husband change. That got to be a decision on their own. Literally. And you only stress yourself out when you're trying to make them make the decision. There was so much more beauty to uh, the transformation that... The transformation that my husband had when he started to do it on his own. Amen, amen. Because then it was like, you know what? I don't got to be your police. I don't got to be that. I don't have to be your Holy Spirit. You got it. Mm-hmm. So that's what for me now, like I said, at any moment, it's easy to snap back into that being a whole uh, accuser of the brethren. So we got to be very careful. But when you start to make that switch, you start to see your, your home is way more peaceful and it becomes easier to love the other person because you're actually seeing them for who they are and not for the sins that they committed. And I think that's why it's so easy for God to to love us once we repent, of course, because he never identifies us as our sin. That is what we do to our spouses. Amen. You start to identify them as as the thing that they've done wrong, the things that they've done wrong or the habits that they have that was never supposed to be their identity. So what is their identity? Their identity is an image bearer, a child of the most high God. And they shall be treated as such. Even when they're not acting like it. Because God don't snatch your breath away because <laughs> you ain't doing what you're supposed to be doing. Some of y'all just said in y'all breath, he should. Oh, yeah, I know. Just like he should get my spouse breath, too. Yeah, because and that's the thing. Whenever we take away our spouse's identity because of the things that they're done, that's that's the same as God saying, "All right, he's not acting like my child right now. Snatch, give me that breath back." And it make it make it easier to mistreat them. Exactly, and that's mistreatment. If I don't know, just drop dead. If like, <laughs> if I don't know what it is, so we really got to look at it like the way God loves us. We have been called to love others. One of the things that I realized this morning um, as, as I was preparing for this is uh, my child, man. I love Aubrey. She ain't done nothing for me. She ain't really. Well, I ain't going to say she hasn't given me anything. She gives me a lot. But right now. All she, she do is sit here and make noise, eat, <laughs> sleep, dookie. <laughs> okay. Jesus. And cry. <laughs> 
but she be smiling too but she great she brings me the greatest joy ever done absolutely nothing but just be born and sit here and breathe and i love her to no end that to is no end. that is exactly how we've been called to love our spouse even if all they doing if all they're doing is is uh taken down to whatever ben just said aubrey be doing all day we still gotta love them like god loves us amen amen so that's all i got <laughs> all right uh yeah so i mean summing it up love your spouse like jesus love your spouse be the advocate fight for them don't fight against them anybody can be put on the stand just like you put somebody on the stand no spouse can do the same thing to you so let's both look inwards try to be the best person best christians we could be in christ and also be the best advocates we could be for the other person it sounds good to me advocates all 2021 hey we all need the gospel we all need jesus okay remember that all right any other closing thoughts let's just be advocates advocates advocate not accusers don't hate really hey we're gonna start that advocate don't hate advocates advocates not accusers there we go Be advocate don't hate <laughs> all right <laughs> all right guys well i'm your host benjamin atkins and I was accompanied by my lovely wife, Takia Atkins. And we were also joined by our lovely daughter, Aubrey. Say something. Now you don't want to make no noise. Say something. <laughs> say, say, bye. That's crazy. You was lap. <laughs> <sighs> Boy, see, and this is what she do. Anyway. <laughs> This was another episode of the Atkins Family Podcast. Have a good one, folks.